a couple of weeks. We've been all, both of us, all over the place. I think this is like the first time. I was looking at the when we started the first one back on when it was back on my feed. We're almost yeah. at a like we're just a handful of weeks away from like a year of doing it. Yeah, it's crazy. Which we're is eight wild. episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But this is like that we did like two weeks of no no show, which is the longest we've done with since we started. But we were uh, traveling, and I was in Montana and all over the West last week for a while, and just ended up kind of being nice to yeah kind of take a break from some of it too. Well, and I think too, it's like, and again, I don't want to say this lackadaisically, but it's you know, this whole thing was started as just a, a kind of a passion project. It's not really a business, so to say. It's just it's more something yeah. that we care about. Right. And we reserve the right to to do it a little how we want, a little more how we want. And that's good, but it's also like we do have to have some structure. But it was nice to also have just a couple of down days. Um, yeah. To not really have to think about much of anything. And not that this is stressful or whatever, but it is. I mean, we do have some stresses in trying to line up schedules. <laughs> right. You know? yeah. So I think we, uh, we kind of just reserve the right to – to take those breaks, but we don't we like answer to, to nobody. Yeah. <laughs> I apologize to absolutely no one. <laughs> right. No, uh, uh, but it, uh, it was good. And, you know, I know you've been on the go. I've been on the go. Um, mm-hmm. Jiu-jitsu heavy. And now that the season is like, it almost seems like it's start. Well, it has started for some people. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, for me, it's starting very, very soon. And, I think I felt the pressure of that because while I shoot my bow, shooting on foam is very different than shooting a live animal. And as the, as the season approached, the little things or the little things uh, about my shooting that were off or my build that was off became more glaring, mm. you know, and yeah, especially when you stick a broadhead on something that's pretty good versus a yeah. broadhead on something that's flying perfect, you start to really you know, you're going to fish or cut bait at that point. And right. I just wanted to have a perfect setup. And I know that's something that a lot of guys, myself included, never even really regarded. If you have a good bow shop, you trust them. That's, that's that you shoot their bow and you probably kill stuff. But like, you know, when I got into the recurve stuff, um, every little thing mattered to, yep. to a magnified level. And I just wanted to have an understanding of what I was doing and why. And I've had a blast doing that. I mean, it's, it is down to the minutia and it's, it's crazy how deep I can go in a rabbit hole. Yeah. But man, I've been in some rabbit holes for missing animals. I've been in some rabbit holes from wounding animals and those are rabbit holes I don't enjoy because there's no end to them, you know, sure. and yeah. in this spectrum, there is a, there is a, a ground zero because I can eventually tune this bow and this arrow to the point of, the, the most perfect I can make it, you know? So that's what I've been trying to do. I've been trying to get my setup pretty well dialed in. Um, we talked to Mark earlier on the podcast from Buana Bows. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got the, I've got the Hunter model. And as I told you before, um, I really did a disservice to that bow trying to make it match and shoot like my Hoyt. You know, right. I just wanted, I just wanted a universal arrow that could work for both. And yep. man, that, that would be like either one of us entering a relationship and someone saying, Hey, 
we're going to change this about you and change this about you and, and limit this about you. Uh, it just, it wouldn't work in a relationship and it doesn't work in a relationship with the bow. So right. I needed to just start all over and take bare shafts and just figure out what this bow needed and, and allow myself to give it rather than trying to force it into something that wasn't really the so best. So how did that, how in that process from an actual technical standpoint, what is, how do you start with when you go through all of it? I mean, you said like bear shafts tuning and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like what, how do you from brand new arrow trying to make it match? Like what, how do you go about it? So your basic carbon or, or shaft of any arrow is about 32 inches. And depending on, let's just say it's a 10 grain per inch arrow to be round. So you've got 320 grains of arrow more or less. Right. Yeah. Yep. And the fe- the best thing that you can do is start light. Um, just start with the least effective dose. So a hundred grain head, maybe a 50 grain insert or a 50 grain insert collar system. So now you're shooting a 470 grain arrow, right? That's a, that's a functional hunting arrow yeah. for any, for any hunter compound or recurve. There are people, I know people that kill with that grain weight. Now, I shoot a 470. It doesn't fly right. It's way too weak. And arrow mm-hmm. behavior, once it hits the target, will tell you either left or right. That's going to be strong. That's going to be weak or stiff. Uh, the tail is going to be up or down. That's going to tell you knock high, knock low. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of feedback that an arrow, once it impacts a bag, will give you. Because what a, what a lot of people don't realize when they think about shooting an animal is they have this imagination that when it hits an animal, that arrow goes perfectly straight through there. And what they need to realize, depending on if your arrow is weak or stiff, you are creating a wound channel based on that behavior. So if your arrow is stiff, you do have a more likelihood of a straight channel pass through. Mm. So to imagine uh, you're going to get more penetration with a stiffer arrow. That's why most archery guys say air to the side of stiff. Because if I stick in an arrow, so imagine I want to show you this as a demonstration. You can't see it on the, on the radio or whatever, but yeah, this arrow, when it hits in, if it is weak, which means the spine of the arrow is like a spaghetti noodle rather than a yep. piece of steel. It's too weak yep. to push the head. When the head hits, all of the energy is displaced through the shaft of the arrow into the feathers, and you will see immediate tail whip on the outside. And all of that is broadhead energy displacing through the shaft and weakening the penetration. So I shoot a 470 grain arrow. One, it barely flies straight at all. Two, when it hits the target, it looks like it's spinning loops. So add more weight, go to 125 or 150, 175. And eventually you will find in 25 grain increments on the front end, you will find the head that is flying true with a bear shaft. Now for me, I like to cut my arrows. I like a little bit shorter shaft. So that comes into play. And then how, you know, do I use a three fletch arrow or do I use a four? Cause then you have to make up for, you have to make up for that weight that you cut in the, in the front end. If you, if you subtract a grain of weight from the feathers or the wrap, that effectively gives you two grains of kinetic energy up front. So it's the opposite. If you add a grain to the front, you're detracting two grains from the back. So this gets very, very mathematic. This gets very, very instinctive as well. So you have high precision, precision science matched with human error as in technique and form. 
and trying to find the arrow that can blend specific, you know, the specifics of mathematics with human error. And that's really how you achieve perfect arrow flight, which is crazy to me. But I went way deep on it. And what I eventually found, uh, this arrow right here, i uh, just talked to you about it again. I'm going to show it if you see this on YouTube. It yeah. is uh, Black Eagle Instinct. This is a traditional version. It's It's got a wood kind of pattern on it. Uh, three inch. These are actual feathers. These are three inch feathers uh, with a four fletch. And then I'm going to be running 300 grains up front. And the reason I'm going so heavy up front is because with a traditional bow, you don't have the propulsion from a from the the, the cam system that runs on a on a compound. Yep. So to break this down as simply as possible, when you throw a rock with a string, if you throw the rock, it goes in the front and the string straightens out behind it. Yep. If I try to throw a rock from the string, unless I whip it around in a complete circle and launch it like a hammer throw, that rock is just going to fall to the ground and the string is going to fall flat. So that's why with traditional bows, since you don't have a heavy, heavy uh, or a fast release system like a compound, you need to have momentum. So mm -hmm. by having that heavy front end, it's just like a slingshot. You're going to draw your bow back and it's going to propel from the front forward rather than trying to steer from the back forward. And that's what I'm looking for. It's just that it's just like throwing a baseball. You know, yeah. you have to find that feel and having a heavier arrow up to a certain point, it's like you couldn't throw a shape, shot put like you can throw a baseball. Right. But up to a certain point, throwing a baseball becomes the most effective measure of throwing a round ball far. So on you the know? other end of it, when you have when you're trying to dial in like that front end weight, right? And yep. you're saying you know going 25 increments, getting heavier until you find that it sits straight when it hits. What yep. happens on the other end of that if it's too heavy? Like well, is that even a thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely a thing. Um, because what happens, so this is where arrow spine, um, your fletchings, your knock, your, your collar system, all of these things start to come into play, but let's say you start going heavy. So what I see when I shoot a, a 100 grain arrow that inserts weak, when it hits, it's going to go in straight and the tail is going to fish left telling me that that okay. spine is weak, 25 grain increments. It's going to straighten out until it's perfectly straight. And then if I go in 25 increments, 25 grain increments heavy, it's going to start to kick right, meaning it's too stiff. Okay. Gotcha. Now that measure becomes variable depending on how short I cut my arrow, how stiff I make my arrow. Um, you know, if you take a, a three foot arrow that bends pretty easily and cut it back to like 27 and a half inches, that's going to increase the rigidity. Uh, Dr. Ed Ashby, he is the head of the Ashby Foundation for Archery. He's the man that was instrumental in getting bow hunting legalized in Africa by proving and testing and testing and testing uh, arrow systems. He actually got a full pass through on a rhinoceros. That was a, a controlled government kill with a 1,437 grain arrow. Now, <laughs> that sounds insane, but when you think yeah. about it, he was shooting like a 95-pound longbow, English longbow. And okay. the launch on that, you know, if you follow basic uh, breakdowns, you know, they say most compound archers need to be around eight to nine grains or, or eight to nine uh, grains per pound of draw. Right. I think that's something like yep. that. So that makes, yep, that it's, a little, it's a little bit more um, for, for traditional archers. So, 
you know, you get around 10 or 12 grains at nine at 95 pounds, you know, you're talking about a 900 to a thousand eighty grain arrow right there. Well, his studies yeah. found that even as you get higher than that, when you get to the 14 or 15 or 16, um, because you're talking about the bone crushing density of right. an arrow as well. Right. So that's a, that's a, that's an entire rabbit hole. The studies that Dr. Ed Ashby did, basically I can tell you this bone crushing threshold for an arrow is 650 grains. And then what are you sacrificing for that bone crushing density? Right. I don't shoot at bones. So, you know, that is a worst case scenario solution. But right. if that animal goes from, say you're shooting 650 on a compound, like some of his, his people do, if that animal goes from 30 yards to 40 yards or say 37 yards, yeah. what is the variable drop from pin to pin with 650 grains? It's going to be a lot. So if you're just on the fly having to wing it and guess, okay, he's at 37 yards, boom and go, you're going to have more misses with a heavy arrow at distance because the drop variability is going to be so high than you would with that lighter arrow. So for me, I'm trying to feel, to find an arrow because I can make a 580 grain arrow shoot straight out of this bow. Sure. It just does not perform the same as a 620 grain arrow like I built. So it's finding that sweet spot. It's going low, it's going high and taking that information and saying, where is the sweet spot right here? And for me, that was 620 grains. I shot 690 out of it and I shot down to 520 out of it. And, you know, 620 ended up being about the perfect shot. So it's, it's just about testing. And really that's, what's frustrating about it because you have to have those components and you have to have the understanding of what you're doing with those components to even hope to ever begin to do it yourself. So yeah. then you can't do it yourself. You're left to going to uh, an archery shop. And as you know, there are some archery shops that are built around target shooters that are dedicated to shooting a quarter on demand and then you have bow shops that are like, well, man, if you can hit a dinner plate, you can kill anything you want to, you know? <laughs> and it's like, those both are true statements more or less. Yeah. But I have to ask myself, if I'm going to kill something, what is my most effective weapon? And that's what I'm trying to build is a bow that works with my arrow that covers the mistakes that I make as a human. And then also taking into effect, uh, taking into account, how, like what type of hunting you're doing, sure, right? And what and because, like you said, the 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 variables that happen in the changes of even just like six or seven yards of distance as it relates to the weight at the front is huge. Yeah. But if you're not ever going to go past, or you know, like if you're if you're telling yourself, I'm not going past 35 yards, yeah, right, like then that becomes not an issue for you. In, right. to some degree you know what i mean so it's like you have to understand where you are going to be shooting from and then and then on top of that like actually hold yourself to that too yeah right you can't you know if you're if you're leaving yourself that variable of if i go past this i'm not as certain as i should be yeah then when that moment comes and something comes in at 42 and you're like gonna feel froggy about it and try and send one anyways then you're like you're just rolling dice you know what i mean it's not yeah. like it's something you've actually set up to be effective at that range well that's why i like my point on to be 32 yards with my bow yeah you know so what that means mine's compound, 30 yeah that's about yeah. perfect when you have a compound 
you have a series of pins for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, whatever. When you're shooting with a recurve, you're somewhat depending on instinct and feel, but there is a point and it's called point on where your point and your, your vision of that arrow downrange is pointing dead center at the target and it will hit it. So yeah. mine is 32 yards. My actual hunting distance, because I have a 32 yard point on is 32 yards and in. I will not, I will not bend or break on that because my commitment is not to killing the animal. I made an agreement with myself a couple of years ago that I had traded becoming a better shooter for a better hunter. Yep. Um, you know, I could shoot my compound 60, 70, 80 yards, very, very tight, respectable groups, but I was getting to 60, 70, 80 yards on animals and not able to shoot or not able to effectively shoot. So the idea for me was, well, rather than getting to 40 or 42 with a 40 yard cutoff and still taking the shot, I wanted to limit my ability to shoot anything. I could only shoot within the range of what my bow was capable. Now I can shoot yeah. 40 yards with this bow, but it gets swirly 32 and in I'm pretty good. So that's where I'm effectively hunting at is 32 yards and in. I talked to my friend, Nick Morton. He's killed a slew of animals, all sub 25. Talk, yep. You know, you can watch the numerous videos of Aaron Snyder or someone like Adam Greentree or a, there's a series of, of hunters, compound and recurve, that will not take, you know, the they will take longer shots, but they don't take that as their first option. They take that time to try to stalk in and get close. So, and once I started doing that, the, the encounters that I got with animals were much, much different. You just see more animal behavior. You see more tendencies um, when you're at 60 yards. And that used to be a place where you were trying to draw back and you're just sitting there like, well, I've got 40 yards to go before I can do anything in yep. close proximity. You're noticing everything. Like your senses are so alert and dialed in. It's just a different thing to be 60 yards from an animal where you're ready to shoot, that's a high feeling too. I mean, that's a, that's its own crazy feeling. But then at 60 yards, you're like, okay, this is when the work begins. And you've got to be that close. Dude, I know it's just a pig and there's low penalty for missing, low penalty for injuring. Uh, it's all a benefit if you kill one because they, they decimate the property. But man, getting into like four, five, six, seven yards, uh, shooting that one at a foot, you know, on a wild pig, these are not yeah. domesticated by any stretch. These are right. wild animals. Um, dude, if I had coal in my ass, we'd have had diamonds. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's real, it's real sketch. Like it's just intense, yeah. you know, right. like you can, you can, I mean, if in a perfect situation, the wind smacking you in the face, you are smelling these pigs yep. at three yards. You know what I mean? Like, Yep. It is smacking you right in the face. And then you're drawing back on this thing and hoping that it doesn't see you or charge you or run over you can shoot it. It's just a cool feeling. Um, but it brought me to a topic and I know I'm kind of rambling here, but I wanted your take on this Yeah. without, without negating people's effort and applauding the fact that people joined in and participated. I have like, some, some questions or some concerns for people on the shoot to eat spectrum. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm looking at them as a potential hunter and that might be the problem. Like some of these people might just okay. be happy shooting their bow. They might just be shooting 20 yards. Right. But if you're hunting at 20 yards, I have a hard time understanding why you're doing a shoot to eat challenge at 50 yards plus. Right. So one, 
the, the selection process here. Are we, and that's individual. You know, like for me, I decided 15 to 30 yards was very accurate to my kill zone. That's where I need to shoot. That's where I need to be accurate. I don't need extra reps with stress at a distance that makes no sense. Right. So some of these people, I think, one, have inflated their capability expectation to a large degree. And I'm, I'm a human, too. I do that all the time. But I'm saying with the feedback that's coming in, if a stranger on the Internet can watch you shoot three arrows and realize that either you have overpaid for a bow that is basically a Ferrari and you yeah. have 1987 Toyota Corolla form or you are just chasing the wrong things. Like if you're shooting left and then the next arrow is right and the next arrow is low, if you're buying more shit, stop, go to 10 yards and learn how to group at 10 yards. If you're not grouping well at 10 yards, ask yourself, is my bow in tune? Is my arrow in tune? Am I even doing what I'm supposed to do? Yeah. But just backing up or shooting more reps at distance and hoping for the best is like, I've done it. I certainly have been there and I'm trying to even draw what I was thinking at the time. The only honest answer I can say that I was thinking at the time, this will look cool on film. This looks like Cam Haynes or John Dudley or whatever. And that is an honest admission. Like I am more impressed with a guy that will stick to 20 yards and shoot it perfectly than I am a guy that's shooting at 75 because he thinks it's going to gain appeasement or, or liking from other people and missing the target. Yeah. I mean, you know, like mm-hmm. it's been interesting to see how people approach this, you know, it, it, it's neat to me as someone that loves archery and like watching arrows fly. Yeah. The, I was thinking pretty much the same thing in regards to the distance that I wanted to do. Cause I started, I started at 16 and that was yeah. honestly just because of where my stuff is set up right here with where sure. my target is. Like the place I usually stand is like right at 16. And so yeah. I don't have, uh, back here, I don't have much room to, pr- I, don't, I probably don't even have enough room to go all the way back to 31 by doing, yeah. you know, for doing this for two weeks or, you know, we go back to 30 or whatever, but, but I have, I can start shrinking the target, right. Which is right. what I, yeah. I like that a lot of people that I have seen doing this are doing when they're, when they're sort of restricted by the distance capabilities they have is just, well, aim smaller. Right. Which is, which is a great way to go about it. So I kind of did the exact same thing. I was thinking like 15 to 30 yards is like my point on is 30. And Mm -hmm. so if I can make that my max, then I'm, then in my head, I'm thinking like, if I know my point on, I can work on how I adjust moving down. I don't want to have to do going down and then also how I adjust moving farther up. Yeah, you know what I, I mean, mean, like for me, it was just like one less thing to have to think about working on right now. Right. You know well, I mean? and the other thing too, like with my Hoyt Satori, I got pretty cons- so I had a thirty-six yard point on with that one. So okay. for me, a forty-yard shot with a thirty-six yard point on was more or less like hover the spine, and you're going to hit what you want to hit. Yep. yep. You know, so that was fair. Like I can make that argument and I could really make 35 an argument for the same reason. Yeah. But this year I am committed to 30 yards or in, um, just, I just said a number. Like I didn't know what my point on was when I made that number up. So I'm sticking to that number, even though 35, I believe I can do it. And I will say this, if it's last day on pigs and there's pigs at 35 or 36 yards, 
and I haven't shot one, I'm probably going to try to shoot a 35 yard pig. I am right. not going to shoot at a 35 yard whitetail. I'm not going to shoot at a 35 yard anything unless it yep. is a pig for the reasons I stated. They're just a problem. So I, I give myself that caveat allowance last day have not killed a pig yet. 35 yards is in the books. So I think people need more stringent honesty with themselves about their skill because I, yeah. I made a comment on Brad Godbold's post today. Um, I really, I shot with him in Africa and I saw right. his bow hand um, today look dead as like dead as a doornail in his hand. And I see a lot of guys and like, even for myself, when I have that quibalizer on there and you can see that quibalizer like bending in the wind sometimes, I'm not saying yeah. everybody has to be perfect all the time, but if I'm watching you shoot and I never really see your bow still for even a split second, I think that's a cause that one, start doing some conditioning with your bow, like shoot more reps, but two, yeah. probably just need some general strength in the bicep and shoulder, like just get stronger and things get easier to do, you know? So I don't know. I, I'm really hoping that people, one, I think people have loved it. It's, it's very popular. It's had a lot of good, it's been really cool. Like there's been a lot of people take part in it, which has been cool. Yeah. And good people, you know, that's the thing yep. that I see is, that, you know, we didn't really draw in a lot of like quote unquote influencers, but I've told you before, and I told Bert this very often, like the influencer crowd will help us be seen, but they're never going to be our bread and butter. The, right. Our bread and butter are our people, our community. So yep. visibility is important. But I like seeing that it's our people doing it, you know, like it's not just a bunch of random people that are like yeah. trying to gain attention. Um, right. I want to shine light on I want to shine attention on our community that is organic. You know, the people that are just doing it because we ask, you know, not for any other incentive than that. So and I've been I've been really proud of the trad community that came out. And yeah, that's really been cool. There's been a lot of good ones. Uh, Drew yeah. and Mark and a lot of those guys that yeah. like, we know, yeah. but to see them do it is cool. Well, you know, I just sent a video. Part of my job is, is we call it SORCOM, which is Sornex Communications, you know, to find people that are in line with us that maybe we're not doing stuff with that. Hey, all you got to do is shoot a bow. You know, you're already doing it every day. Just tag us in it. We'll share your stuff. Organic engagement, right? Yep. And then uh, I reached out to the push. Uh, they're a really yep. great resource for people in the, in the recurve world, longbow world. I reached out to drew. I reached out to several other trad, you know, trad shooters one, because we've communicated, we know each other, but they have a big pool and the trad community gets no love by any of the big companies. Like yeah. an individual does like when Aaron was shooting a recurve, people were like, that's super, super cool. But nobody was going and being like, oh, man, Hoyt Satori is the greatest bow. You know, they, <laughs> right. they, just, they just equated it to Aaron and his skill, which is true. But um, I think the trad community at large, you don't you don't have like that ultra celebrity type. But if you start looking at it, and you see, man, when one guy does something, they all get behind it. When one guy does something over here, they all get behind it. And that's yeah. what I've seen with the trad community where, yeah, there's, there's debate about strings and feathers versus veins, uh, longbows versus recurves, carbon versus wood. You know, there, there's always going to be debate, but I don't see the competitiveness that I see on the compound side. There's just too much money yeah. on the compound side. And I think that's what drives a lot of that. Whereas the traditional side is more of a tradition. It's an honored tradition. The Boyers mm -hmm. are small companies. 
you know, they're not, there's no millionaires in traditional archery. You know, that's, <laughs> right. I'm, I'm sure there's plenty, but you know, the saying is there's no millionaires in traditional archery. So I, I don't know. I was just proud to see that for like, that told me that I've done right by, by some good people. Um, mm-hmm. Made me proud of that. And then also, I know that it's, it's just good for people to see that traditional archery is a, a thing and people can be highly skilled with it. I mean, the guys that have shot have been really freaking impressive, you know? Yeah. They're shooting really well, yeah. <laughs> which is cool. The, uh, the, with the trad stuff, it's really fun to see those guys because again, like it feels like it's a much more tight knit group of people. Like you had said, like if you're in like, like if in the compound world, like if you're in the compound world, you have your community depending on what type of bow you shoot, right? Like you're Matthews dude or you're Hoyt dude, right? And so you have like your community, but you're not like doing stuff with other guys that are other companies reps, you know, but like if you're, but it doesn't even matter in in the trad world because half of them are shooting stuff that they made themselves, yeah. You know, or, <laughs> or, and we know a few of those guys, like, but it, it seems like everybody's just super stoked when people want to go down that path that they're like, absolutely come on over. Like there's well, all kinds of resources. You know what, man? It's like that in anything though. It's like, why do you think Alex Honnold was so heralded for climbing, you know, doing his climbs without any yeah. kind of support? Yeah. It's because he took, he chose a harder path. Like, yep that wall is already unbelievable as it is like as, as a climber, if you can scale that wall, you're already an elite, right? Yep. But then to pick up something and say, you know what? I'm not saying it, it's not hard enough. I'm just saying I've done it. What is the next yep. thing that I can push myself on? And that's, that's really where I got with the compound. Like I said, I had become so focused on becoming a, a better shooter that I had sacrificed my one focus, but two skill set as a hunter. I yeah. thought get to 60 yards and you can kill anything. I mean, that's what you're told. That's what you're sold. And that's where all the product development comes from. Like, Oh my God, you need this rest and you need this string and you need this and you need this. They absolutely work. They absolutely make things better. But I'll tell you what, I've taken a bear Cabela's bow and I've stacked groups the size of, you know, a golf ball at 20 yards with a well-tuned bow and arrow from a, yep. from a budget bow, you know, that's, that's not, I'm not a great, great shooter. Levi Morgan is a great shooter. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just a pretty good shooter, but if a pretty good shooter can do that with a, with an economy bow and you can't do that with the Ferrari of bows, <laughs> right. there needs to be some examination of self. And I heard a guy on a podcast yesterday. I don't remember if it was, might have been Tim Gillingham. Uh, he's a he's a professional okay. archer, kind of a kind of a geeky techie, like yeah. real loves to test shit. You know. Yep. He said, "Never ever have I heard of an archer say I was the problem." Mm-hmm. You know, all oh, that arrow hit something, or oh, I, I just I slapped my release, or this, that, and the other. Like, there's always something besides it was me. Oh. And what do you do? You go change your arrows or you go change your broadheads or you go get new strings or you get, you move your rest. All of those things are viable answers. But again, I go back to, can you stand at 20 yards and on one of those small dot targets, put four to five arrows in it at 20 yards. 
if you can't, if you can't at 20 yards, I am telling you, you are not proficient as an archer. Yep. You are not. Like that's that may sound like an asshole statement. You can be a really good shooter at 20 yards and be around it. Like that doesn't mean you're bad. I'm saying to be proficient to the point that you should back up with confidence. I think that should be your mark of measure at 30 yards. It should be a little bigger at 40 yards. It should be a little bigger. I could put softball size groups at 80 when I was shooting my best. Yep. Five arrows inside a softball at 80. Yep. I think that's reasonable to call yourself proficient at shooting with a compound bow. Some of the arrows and, and I'm kind of piggybacking off a podcast I heard with John Dudley um, on elk shape. I just did Dan's podcast and I was listening to John's before he was talking about some of the arrow flight attack and he sees 10,000 shots. He estimated when he goes to attack, Yeah, um, you know, at least 10,000 over the course of the sure. summer, you know, and it's like, I'm not John Dudley. I didn't see 10,000, but I shot tax and I watched arrow flight and dude, I'm looking, I'm talking Hoyt Matthews, PSE elite right on down the line. And I saw arrows flying left out of the bow, falling right out of the bow, looking like they were some kind of Ferris wheel. The feathers were spinning so big. <laughs> but here's the thing. They would hit where the person aimed, more or less, yep. right? They would hit right. the general target. And they're like, oh, that's a good shot. Oh, that's a good shot. It's a good shot. Well, the result was good, but it was a fucking right. train wreck to get there. You know, right. and you put a, you put a broadhead and you add wind drag to a broadhead. Well, two inches left with a fixed point is a foot and a half left with a broadhead at 40 yards, yep. you know? So I, I really like, cause I'm on blood origins board. We see wound rates on these animals. I think the archery industry, this is, this is a dangerous statement for me. I think the archery industry is at fault for building confidence in equipment instead of encouraging competence in the human. And yeah. that to me, when I see the injury rate and non-recovery rates of animals and I've done it, I've, I've been in that boat. And when I look back at my setup, I, I mean, I hit the animal in a good place, you know? So that tells me I hit the animal where I should. It was at a distance that was very, very close and it failed. So what does that mean? Did I fail? No, I did my job. So something in my equipment was wrong. That's the worst place in the world to find out that your equipment is wrong is on an animal. Right. But you're even worse if you're an asshole that goes home and doesn't think it was you. You think it's just a new rest or a new arrow system or a new broadhead or something like that. And then you go back out and you wound another one because there's yeah. story after story after story of that. I missed it. I heard them. I never recover them. And it comes from people that aren't doing their homework on their bows. And I know that I sound like a psychopath, dude, I hit an animal and didn't recover it. And I think about it at least, at least once a day because I shoot my yeah. bow every day. You yeah. know what I mean? So when I yep. shoot like I'm getting emotional thinking about it right now, but when I shoot my bow, I, that is my cause to shoot my bow because I hit an animal in a place that I should have killed it. And I did it. And I don't know. I don't know the story of that animal after that moment. You know what I mean? And I'm sure it wasn't, I'm sure it didn't feel good, whatever it was. And that's, what's painful yeah. to me 
is that I made a mistake and I have to get better from that. And that's why I got into the, the building. Like I wanted to understand my aero system to the point that when I went into the field, I knew one that I was deadly. My setup was perfect. And if I did everything under the, under the sun that I could beforehand in the moment, it would, it would be done. Like it would be the way that I wanted it. And after I got that way, my year changed completely. So I just think that people need to take honest stock of where they are, what their equipment is and where the link wink leaks are in their system. As far as, is it me? Is it the bow? Is it the arrow? What is it? And like you said, to your whole point, it's most of the time, like it takes a lot for it to get to the point where it's not the shooter. Yeah. I mean, like most people, most people will not get to that point where they're so dialed in, in their own technique that it's actually because of something in their equipment. That sure. it's, you know, and, and cause I was just thinking how I was shooting this morning, like the video I posted, I missed this morning, like by two inches low. Yeah. And I've been shooting this week with a finger tab for the first time. Like I yeah. usually have the glove, you know, and I was shooting really well at that. And, uh, I was trying this finger tab out and it's still really stiff leather. Yeah. And so it's not super comfortable yet. And so I'm like, and that's not me saying this, it's me trying to get used to it. Right. Yeah. And so, um, I'm going to shoot this morning. And that first cold bore shot, like I just felt it in a different spot on my finger than it was yesterday. And I'm like, well, damn, I'm already pulled back. Like, I'm just going to fling it anyways. When in reality, if I'm thinking like the whole point of this is get me in a hunting scenario, like hunting scenario mindset, right? Yeah. If I'm feeling like something is off when I pull back, I'm, I'm not going to send that arrow. Like that's the whole point. Like I should have just pulled it back down, reset the tab and then pulled back and shot. I probably would have been right on, but I didn't. And it missed two inches low. And I'm like, okay, well I did something stupid. I shouldn't have shot that arrow. Well, dude, I'll tell you what, cause that happened to me on my water buck in Africa. It was a, a situation where I went to draw. And so I'll, I'll be very honest. I, I shot that stag in Argentina last year. Perfect shot. Perfect, perfect shot. Um, it was an impossible situation with, grass that was so tall i mean it was yeah it wasn't quite six feet but it was four and a half to five feet and um, this this stag bolted directly into that and then uh was never able to be recovered so it was just like a terrible terrible feeling so i go to africa after that and uh, i shoot this eland well again the arrow hits the eland goes in about the depth of the broadhead and then hangs straight down the side of the eland and it runs off. So when the water buck uh, comes in, the, the eland wasn't even phased by it. I mean, it'd be like smacking a horse on the ass. Like it didn't even care. Um, yeah. But when, I, when the water buck came in, I had the fact of I lost the stag. I shot and didn't penetrate an animal. And now I'm supposed to kill this animal. So I drew back the first time and I've never had it happen in my life, but I was so scared that I wasn't going to be successful or I was going to hurt this animal that it was just all in my fingertips. And I was shaking like a rat shit and razor blades. I mean, I could not, could not get the bow back. So I finally did and I anchored and it was just like, I knew this was going to be a bad shot. It was too much adrenaline too much. So I let down, I go to draw it again. I can't even draw the thing. Mm-hmm. So then I'm like, all right, you bastard, get it back there. So I just like overstretched real hard and held it. But I was like, I'm back in control. 
you know, and then I kind of anchored myself and settled down and made the shot. But man, I think that's something that, that I haven't even thought of until you just mentioned it. I think yeah. tomorrow I'm going to let down because 24 yards is in that funky zone where it's yeah. like, it's not close enough that you can bullshit it, but you've yeah. got to, you've got to be kind of right. So I think tomorrow that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do a letdown. I'm going to do a full draw, a letdown, a three second count, and then a redraw and shoot. And that would very much mimic a, a true hunting setting. I've been in that situation with my compound several times where I've been at full draw for two minutes. Like I had a yeah. buck sitting under me looking me in the face for two minutes and I'm just like, turn, please turn, please turn, yeah. please turn. And learning to let down with an animal looking at you. Cause it's like, I was just creaking it down. And then as about got right here, I hear like the last little bit of the camp. <laughs> yeah. So learning on my, learning on my feet, uh, I old my cams before I went back out the next day, but you know, it's just one of those deals. It's like, you don't know those things until you're in it, but once you know them, you better start practicing something like that. Cause they're real. So when, uh, so this is more of a, like a, a technical question because yep. as I'm messing with these different distances, right? Like as I'm getting closer. So if I'm working from point on at 30, right. And, and you had the, you, you know, you mentioned if it's a little farther than that and you said 35 or 36, you're aiming like basically top of the shoulder spine area yep. and you're, and you're mm -hmm. safe there when you're working shorter than that. And you're now having to aim lower on something that always kind of just sends me a little bit of a, a mind. You there, bud? I lost you for a second. Oh, when I go me? shorter. Yeah. When I go shorter. Yeah, when I go when I go shorter distances, and now I'm having to actually drop my arrow below the target. That you know yeah. that messes with your head a little bit because oh, yeah. you're like yeah. this. This doesn't look like this makes sense. Like my yeah. arrow is below where I'm aiming, but it's not going to travel that way. So, do you have like marks how you do it in in gap distances or whatever when you're working sh those shorter distances? Because like when you get super close, it's a big distance between like where the arrow is and where it's actually hitting yeah. on, on the bag when you're close. So it's like kind of confusing to, to go through. Well, that. I'll tell you this, this is what's strange about a compound. I killed a doe at six yards. Um, it was a total a freak accident. I had gone out just to scout and shoot my bow. I was, I was near a range and on the backside of this range, there's another 300 acres across the road that is legal hunting property. So I'm back there and I just was, it, it, there was snow on the ground so yeah. I walked over and I kind of just saw this fallen tree and I was like, this would make an awesome blind, like just a natural ground blind. So I was just laying sticks down and kind of setting up and I hear something coming. So I sit down and I'm waiting on this doe and she's coming out at about 20 yards and makes a beeline right in front of me, just an angled cut right in front of me. Well, at six yards to get my, like when I put my 20 pin on her heart, I was actually going to shoot straight into the dirt. So I ended up shooting her with like my 50 pin on her lungs and it was a heart shot. Okay. So I leveled it up, but now with a, with a recurve, yeah. Yeah. When you're going, when you're going that direction. Uh, what I tend to do is like, I, I shoot the, the best tip I can give anybody to do this is shoot at five yards and shoot it point on and see where it hits shoot at 10 yards, point on, like have a target set out there and just put at 10 yards, put your arrow on it and see where it goes at 20 yeah. yards, 15 yards, whatever. And then you start to learn your gaps a little bit. And like for me from about 
12 yards through 20, I can aim at the heart and I'm going to hit middle. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or like the armpit, like the just yep. under the belly, kind of in there, 12 to 20, I'm hitting bullseye. Um, shorter than that, I'm going to aim on the low side of the target. Like I have a go for it, like nine yards and it's a little circle on its belly. I just, I aim as I pull back and I hold full click. I don't try to short draw and shoot close. Cause I've, I've done that before on practice and it'll kick my arrow out crooked. So mm. I go to full click and I just kind of point my arrow until it makes sense to my eye. And then I stare as hard as I can at what I want to shoot. And there is something to be said for mine, um, like that hand eye coordination, because I have found if I just generally look at the target, I'm like, okay, this is about 24 yards, 24 yards go. Well, I hit it or I don't actually hit maybe where I thought I was going to hit. But if I go right. 24 yards and I just stare a bullet hole in exactly where I want to shoot, chances are I'm going to hit about an inch or so from that spot. Just, yep. I think that's, I think that is because I have very good hand eye. That is not something that I could translate to you. It's just, thousands of reps shooting and years and years yeah. of playing sports. Um, but that's, that's the best way to do it is go five yard increments on a, on a hay bale that's standing vertical and just figure out what your gaps are um, at five yard increments. And that, that tended to work for me. Cause like I said, you're only going to need six of them and then you can start yeah. playing around with string walking, which changes the, the fulcrum and the trajectory of your string. So like a lot of people will count thumbs and that'll give them five yard chunks so like if they're right under the knock, three fingers, that is 20 yards. If they go a thumb down, that's 25. If they go a thumb down, that's 30 or whatever. You know, they, they just string walk mm. thumb counts until they get to their yardage. Now, some tabs actually have a hard plastic uh, piece on them that are, that are notched. And, yeah. you know, or you can put a notch in them. So whenever you go down, like you put that right under your tab. And then you put your thumb on that mark and then you slide your tab down to where your thumb is on that mark. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it gives you a little, it's almost like a pin. Now, yep. I know some of the push guys shoot that way. Um, I tried and did not like it, but I was also very, very comfortable, more of an instinctive aim. So yep. I, I think if I ever shoot targets, as I got proven this weekend, if I ever shoot targets uh, competitively, I'll have to string walk a little bit because the guys, they were just too accurate. You know, like, like that is more of an accuracy refinement tool. So, yeah. but that's, it's, um, it's pretty cool. What do you have? Uh, hunt wise. What's the first one? Uh, pigs, bears, and then pigs. And then start getting into my whitetail season. Probably more pigs. Uh, <laughs> Lots of pigs. <laughs> well, the thing about it is, dude, once you, once you do it, you'll see, it's just, it's lower pressure for yourself. You know, when, when yeah. the right when the deer that you're going to shoot at or the elk or the whatever comes out that you're going to shoot at, you get that lump in your throat. I don't care who you are. If you say you don't, I don't know why you're doing it, right? Like it, it should access some of that primal drive inside of you. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I don't feel that on pigs because one, they're just a menace. They're, they're just a real problem. So I feel... I feel about as little as I do setting a mouse trap. You know, like I don't feel remorse for that mouse at all. I don't feel remorse for those pigs at all because I see the destruction that they impart on the land. Um, and they run deer off, 
you know, they're, they're terrible for deer populations. So you get a lot of reps, you'll get a lot of visibility, you'll get a lot of close stalks. And for me, those reps are invaluable. I mean, I don't live out West where I can just go traipse around the mountain and have close encounters. I mean, you gotta, you gotta really be doing some, some hard work to, to spot and stalk a whitetail. You walk through the yeah. woods loud or something, you're never going to see one. So yep. even getting in the woods, I've been doing a lot more of that, just stump shooting, um, getting out, walking light. Like, can I hear my own feet? Well, yeah, if you can, a deer sure can. And just yeah. learning. I mean, I think there's too many people, and I, I don't want to sound like I'm getting on my high horse here. I'm just explaining some of the mistakes that I made was that, you know, thinking that if, well, if Cam Haynes does this or John Dudley does this, then I can do it. You know, those guys, right. Cam, whether you love him or hate him, that dude has been killing big game animals 30 plus years. And I'm not talking easy big game animals either. Yeah. He hunts blacktails brutally hard. He hunts elk. That's a brutally hard animal to kill. Mule deer. That's the hardest animal I've, I've ever tried to kill. I've never killed one. I've mm-hmm. tried to kill them nine times now. So, yeah. Um, these folks that just think, well, I'm not going to train. I'm not going to shoot. I'm not going to worry about my arrow build. I'm not going to worry about my bow tune. Um, and then they're going to go out and be successful. Good luck. I mean, you're, you are investing in your own failure for sure. If you're not doing those things. And I'm, again, I'm not speaking from the highest point on the mountain. I'm speaking from being on the mountain and having my dick kicked in, you know, like I have failed (laughs) miserably in this pursuit, but people don't listen. People don't want to hear a guy like me tell them it's going to kick their fucking teeth in because it will. They want to hear, oh, yeah, 70 yards, just let it rip, baby. Fucking (laughs) hit that wide expandable and mow them down. Like, I wish it was that easy. And that's coming from me, from a person who has never, like, I will kill a mule deer because I will not stop until I kill a mule deer. I mean, I I will keep, continue on. But, like, if, if a person has weak resolve and a lot of money, Hunting ain't it, you know, like I would rather take the guy that has no money and and guts. He'll kill. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't need a bunch of equipment. Um, He doesn't need a bunch of fancy shit. I mean, I, that's the one thing that I love so much about the trad guys is by the compound marketing standards, they should never be able to kill anything. You know what I mean? Because half of them don't wear camo at all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're shooting bows that are a hundred feet per second slower. You know, like the odds 50 are 50 so years sp- older in some cases. Yeah. These guys, like the coolest guy I've met so far, I think it was a 76 model, he said, but his dad gave him a bow in 1976. It was a 76 bear, never, ever drawn back another bow, but has killed like 200 animals with it. You oh, know what I mean? Cool. Like, yeah, that's the trad community in a nutshell. I mean, most yeah. of those guys carry bows around like it's nothing, but there's something to be said for that kind of person though. Like I don't need, yep. I don't need your gimmick, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I love it, dude. Yeah, I do too. I mean, it's just, it's a contrast because there are so many good people in the compound community. There really are. Like I don't have a beef in the world with a compound over a trad boat at all. Um, it is, it is the cutthroat marketing industry of yeah. the camo. Um, I mean, like you said, dudes won't even talk to each other if they shoot the different boats. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yep. It, it's dude, just, when I was in, when we were in Bozeman, that's where, uh, you know, where we were last week and there's several, uh, 
you know, several outdoors companies that are based in Bozeman. There's several that are based here in Boise area, you know, yeah. that went into the, and I don't even know. The only reason I went into the store was because we were actually having coffee at the place next door to it. Otherwise I would never have gone out of my way to go into the Sitka store. But yeah, like, yeah. I went, I went in there it's just like, oh, cool. It's a cool, cool store. And Josh has a whole like case of knives that are displayed in there, which is cool. Uh, So I went there and took a picture of that and stuff. But like, it's a cool store. But I'm like, I'm never going to buy anything. And I'm not going to like, I just, I don't know what's in me that will not let me buy like $700 jacket or something like that. When I'm like, no, I don't, I don't, I won't. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know. I, you know, I have to tread lightly because I don't, I don't want to offend people that wear it. I don't want to, you know, Bert wears. And I'm not. That's what I'm trying to do either. There's like, there's just something in me that will not allow me to do that. When something becomes the thing, I lose interest in it very quickly. (laughs) You know, like um, when it's my thing, that's what it is. Or my choice, then it's then it's fine. Like I can I can rock anything as long as I feel it and choose it. But when I feel like I'm only doing stuff because other people are or the right other people are then you're losing the game you know Mm -hmm. because here's the deal i'm not going to name any names on this but i've seen guys switch bow companies i've seen guys switch ammo companies i've seen guys switch arrow companies they kill just as proficiently in whatever they're wearing in whatever bow they're shooting and all these assholes sit there and tell you oh this is the greatest camo that's ever been invented this is the greatest bow that's ever been invented and they say it every year it's not yeah. like they're they're leaping a decade in, in technology year to year, but every year that bow is all oh, this bow's three percent better than last year. It's four percent lighter yeah. and seven percent faster. Well, it's also three hundred dollars more. <laughs> yeah, and it's you know what are, what are you actually buying? Because I can tell you at, at a three forty five IBO speed, if you're shooting an arrow at three hundred feet per second, like I hear some guys talking about you are you are basically getting it's just like getting in a faster car they're harder to control so you get a faster bow you've got a bow that's harder to tune you've got an arrow that's harder to tune and you're going to either get into some lightweight spectrum of trying to achieve that where you're shooting a 420 grain arrow at an 850 pound elk well that's great if you hit lungs that's beautiful if you hit you know the perfect spot at the top of the heart Clip that shoulder with a 420 grain arrow on an elk. Go through the shoulder on a 420 grain elk. We'll have a totally different conversation and you'll need Kleenex. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like I know guys Mm -hmm. that do it. I just talked to Dan Staten. He's a light arrow guy. He's a speed guy. He's not a 300 feet per second guy, but he is a speed guy. I'm not getting an argument with Dan because he kills a shit ton of animals. Yeah. I just feel like I would rather get hit by a mini Cooper at 50 miles an hour than a semi at 30. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like they're both going to suck, but yeah. I know I'm not walking away from one, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's where I fall. It's like my compound arrows are about 530 grains. You know, that's a, that's a heavy arrow for most people's consideration. 500, 520 is kind of where you start separating the masses on that. Uh, I've shot as heavy as 580 with my compound. And I will tell you this, I shot the biggest white tail on an open field farm that I've ever killed with that 580 grain, it took zero steps. It literally fell to its front knees, stood up and fell again. I mean, the concussive wave, the kinetic energy yes. was similar to that. It's like getting hit rifle. by a bullet in some in well, that's some what I'm saying. It looked like yeah. It looked like a deer that absorbed a rifle shot. Um, yeah. I've, hit a, I've hit a deer 
with 475 grains and it was a little bit high in the lung, he walked around, put his head down and ate again before he started running. So I don't know what that was about. If the air was so sharp, he didn't even know it for a second. Then it started stinging or what, but when that 580, it's like the the old ninja movies where the dude like cuts the head off and he stands there for a second and blinks. And then his head just slips off to the side. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, listen, both of them killed very different recoveries. I'll put it that way. Yeah. You know, I like that kinetic energy, that concussive wave. Whenever I've shot pigs with these 600 plus grain arrows, eight, nine, 10 yard recoveries, you know, and not to, not to throw my buddy under the bus. One of our hunting buddies runs like a 390, 400 grain arrow, something, something insane. Wow. And he's, he's shot a bunch of pigs and we've never found them. So, and he, and he's a target. Like I know he's not missing. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's he's yeah. Yeah. And I, we, we, we've had pass through arrows full blood on. So, yeah. you know, and we've tracked square grids for a hundred yards and I'm, I, I literally shot that pig at seven feet through the back rib out the front shoulder. Like it, it went in front of the front leg out this side or it went in the back rib and came out this front side and mm-hmm. she went 12 feet and died. Like I got to her as she was taking her last breaths, you know, yeah. that's how close it was. So I'm not, I'm not arguing with anybody shoot what you want to shoot, but make sure it shoots straight, make sure it's tuned, make sure it's built properly. And you know, when you get feedback that you don't like start with you and then work your way out. And I I think as you know, we start to close this out, it'll be a really good, when we talk next week and we're at the end of the, the two week challenge, it'll be interesting to see where everybody is at that point. Like, you know, at the, because I think the, the goal was to like, obviously work within you know i guess that was the intent was to work within a range that is a hunting scenario range for you right but like you said at the beginning there are some there are some people that are taking it as just like what's the 15 farthest yards i can do and still hit this for this challenge kind of like they're taking it more as like a challenge you know what i mean and uh so it'll be interesting to see next week as we're nearing the last couple of days of the shoot to eat like where everybody is and if it's if, if you notice more so the hunter specific issues in the, in the archer yeah. itself versus like yeah. the equipment, like we've been saying this whole time. Yeah. Well, I just, I would like to see an after action kind of report from everybody that participated in yeah. it. I, I know that's yep. an impossible ask, but like just as simple as what did you learn? Um, yeah. Is your equipment where you thought it was? Are you where you thought you were? Um, yep. Were the distances reasonable? Or what was your motivation for picking these distances? You know, like, again, I have no grounds to question anybody's choice. But from what I am seeing, there should be a lot of hunters that are worried about walking into the woods with the current equipment set up as is. If they haven't made changes from day one to now, um, they better be shooting lights out. You know what I mean? Like, yep. the, the, the shots that I have seen, and listen. Again, I'm not trying to say everybody has to be Levi Morgan and hit dots. Um, but I think, again, you should be hitting a group that's about the size of a ping pong ball or a golf ball at 20 yards with four to five arrows before you feel competent at 20 yards. I, I fully believe yeah. that. Um, I think at 30 yards, that starts to expand in more to a baseball. Mm-hmm. 30 to 50 yards is probably more of that baseball to softball range, you know. 
And then beyond that, like if you start getting outside of a softball, why? Like, why are you shooting that far? You know, yeah. other than other than an arrow or two, just to see if you're dialed. But like, why are you spending? And that's what I see too. A lot of the guys spend the majority of their reps at that 60, 70, 80 yards. It's fun. Like I love seeing the arrow yeah. fly that far. But is that where you're going to shoot to hunt? Right. You know, and, and Cam's a big proponent of that. Shoot twice what you expect to kill at. Okay. I can hear that, but 20 yards over what you're going to kill at too is pretty fucking effective for training. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're shooting 60 all day and your kill zone is 40 and you go back up to 40, it looks like everything's a magnification. Now to say the same thing for a hundred. Okay. But what is your arrow feedback at a hundred? You know, like, are you able to even shoot a reasonable, recognizable group at a hundred to give you any feedback whatsoever? Probably not. Like most guys can't do that at 60. So, You know, I'm just, I'm just raising questions. I'm not saying I'm the answer. I'm just saying these are questions that every archer should be able to answer for themselves. Yeah. You know, well, that's a good place to wrap it. We'll reconvene at the end of the challenge next week and see where everybody stacks up. Who's, who's left standing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, dude, I'm sorry. I kind of ran that one as far as just talking, 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 but that's what we needed. I have, we needed, I needed archery because half of them were my questions too. Like, cause I'm still yeah. a lot of it and I need a lot of these answered. So that was the point. <laughs> well, that's, that's the thing, man, is I, I love it. Um, I've dedicated to it. It's, it's one of those things that nothing has replaced powerlifting for me singularly, but like jujitsu and the pursuit of arrow flight keeps yeah. me pretty occupied and happy. So yeah. I like, I like to tinker and get my ass kicked apparently. <laughs> love it well we'll wrap it there uh if you guys haven't yet go sign up for the newsletter it's on the the main instagram feed just right there in the main link um we'll do some stuff coming up yep. hopefully this hunting season with some merch and some shirts and stuff and we'll have some oh, yeah. other updates but that's all peace out gang thanks guys